It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. What's going on, friends? Welcome to another edition of the Locked On Panthers podcast presented by Pepsi, made for football watching. This football season, of course, will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch this season, as Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers, because Pepsi is made for those who play the game, it is made for those who watch it. Go to madeforfootballwatching.com to check out the latest football watching content from Pepsi. What's going on, friends? Billy Rossetti with you. It is Crossover Thursday. We've got another great edition coming up this week. Of course, it's the second time chatting this season with my buddy Aaron Freeman as we are getting ready. Pretty crazy to think already that him and I already are done chatting now for the regular season as this is already the second meeting but we are ready to go here but want to get into a couple of notes so we'll talk uh the injury report we'll talk about who's in and who's out and then we've got crossover thursday starting with some talk on the falcons aaron's going to talk about uh what became, of course, inevitable after the first Panthers game with the firing of Dan Quinn and how the Falcons have looked since the firing of Dan Quinn and now under the leadership of interim coach Raheem Morris. We're going to take we're going to talk about that. And we also talked about uh, Julio Jones being back, but being a little banged up and also a little bit on the trade rumors that popped up this week regarding Tack McKinley, their former first-round pick from a couple years ago. And then we flipped over to the Panthers, uh, got some good talk on there with uh, the Panthers being banged up. And, of course, we started with the talk of Christian McCaffrey and how close he is to being back. So a lot of great stuff to look forward to. But we'll start with the injury report for the Carolina Panthers, talking about who's in and who is out. And the Panthers, fortunately, didn't rule anybody out again in week eight. Now, keep in mind, Christian McCaffrey uh, was not eligible for this because they had not officially activated him from injured reserve. So, Christian McCaffrey still going to be out for this game, but the sense is now that he will be back for week nine when the Panthers visit the Chiefs in what should be a really big game. But other than that, uh, the Panthers had a few players end up as uh, questionable for tonight's game and one player that was doubtful and that was Russell Okung with that calf injury that he suffered during Sunday's loss against the Saints. He did not practice at all this week and of course being on a short week it was pretty difficult for him to get back into action quick enough uh, to get into this game. So he likely is going to be out and Greg Little will once again get the start at left tackle. Marquise Haynes, Zach Kerr, John Miller, and F.A. Obata are all questionable for tonight's game. Haynes and Obata were full participants in practice all week. John Miller kind of progressively increased uh, as the week wore on. He was listed as uh, not, you know, didn't practice Monday, limited on Tuesday, and was a full participant on Wednesday. So he's trending in the right direction, which is good. And then Zach Kerr was a, a, a Tuesday addition to the practice report or to the injury report and he did not practice Tuesday or Wednesday 
with a toe injury. So it's possible that he uh, is out for this game, but we'll get the final word when the inactives come out uh, in just a little bit, actually, a little later on today. Uh, For the Falcons, um, we know Julio Jones and Russell Gage, two of their top receivers here, both were limited in practice this week. It's possible they don't, or they uh, both go. They might have just been being held back a little bit uh, due to the short week, similar to Alex Mack, and we talked about that as well on cross, you know, with Aaron Freeman. So possible these guys go. You also had uh, Caleb McGarry, who was limited this week with an elbow injury, and then again we talked about Tack McKinley, who actually didn't practice on Tuesday, whether that was because of the injury or whether that was because of the trade rumors, we don't know. And that was brought up in crossover seal here. Aaron mentioned that as well. But that's kind of the the injury report. So again, you had Marquise Haynes, Zach Kerr, John Miller, and F.A. Obada are questionable for tonight. Russell Okung is doubtful for tonight with a calf injury. So that's the injury report. And again, Christian McCaffrey not officially activated off injured reserve but should be good to go for week nine. So before we get into crossover Thursday, I want to give a quick shout out to one of our great friends, of course, our friends over at rockauto.com, which has an incredible catalog of auto parts for just about any make and model and year. It's extremely easy to navigate. Just find your car type, find the year, find whatever parts you need. Rock Auto does a great job of taking care of you, and the prices are always great. And the best part is that you don't even need a membership and you don't even need an account login for Rock Auto. It's a family business that's been serving auto parts customers for 20 years. And again, they have everything from engine control modules, brake parts, tail lamps, all sorts of stuff that you would need for your car. And again, it's extremely easy to navigate and sift through all the parts, all the models, whatnot that you need for your car. Very easy to do. Prices are always reliably low, always the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. So even someone like me can have an easy time finding the parts I need and saving some money. So go to rockauto.com right now and check out all the parts available for your car or truck. And remember to write the words locked on in there, how did you hear about a section, so that they know that we sent you. It's amazing selection, it's reliably low prices, it's all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. And with that, it is time for Crossover Thursday. So it is myself, it is Aaron Freeman of Locked On Falcons. Let's roll. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. What's going on, guys? Crossover Thursday here. Week number eight. Spiller Seti, Aaron Freeman back with you guys. We're doing it again because here we are. Second meeting already between the Carolina Panthers and the Atlanta Falcons, and this time it's on a Thursday night, so we are getting you ready. So it's actually game night here, guys. We are ready. Aaron, as always, good to, ta- t- good to talk to you, my man. How are you? 
I'm doing great. Yeah. Doing one of these crossovers, only a few hours to get people excited and prep for this game. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. It's, you know, crossover Thursdays are always fun, but now you add in the mix that tonight's the, the actual game, it should be a lot of fun. So uh, we'll get you ready for it. We'll do like we did last time going, uh, uh, we'll start talking about the Falcons. So we'll just jump right into it. Um, I got to give you props though, man. First things first. And I, I thought about this even you know long before we did this recording. Um, you nailed it, man, regarding Dan Quinn. We talked, of course, in the first, uh, the, the first time we talked, you said it was either going to be that week five game against the Panthers or tonight against the Panthers. One of those two games was going to be the last one for Dan Quinn. And sure enough, that week five loss to the Panthers was the ultimate undoing for Dan Quinn. So what kind of led to uh, to the Dan Quinn firing and how has the team looked so far in these first couple games uh, with Raheem Morris? What's kind of the, the general feeling about Mo- Morris as the interim right now? Well, yeah, the Dan Quinn firing at, at the time when we talked about it last time, it, it felt like it was, you know, it was due. And I think the main reason why the Falcons didn't do it after the Monday night game against Green Bay, just because it was a shorter week and the interim coach wouldn't have a chance. And, you know, it was a division game coming up. There was a chance for maybe uh, Dan Quinn to get the season back on track, given no offense to Panthers uh, fans listening right now. But Carolina isn't necessarily considered one of the elite teams in the league. And at that point in time, it seemed like a reasonably winnable game and the way it kind of played out seemed like the Falcons had an opportunity to come back and win that game. And of course them failing to do so, I think was sort of the final straw for Dan Quinn. And it was time for the Falcons to move on in the week since obviously they were able to get a win against the Minnesota Vikings looked very impressive in that game. We know that the Vikings aren't necessarily a juggernaut team this season as well, but it did at least look like the Falcons were playing with the sense of urgency that we were hoping to see from them earlier in the season, playing well on defense, being uh, opportunistic, creating some turnovers, getting after the quarterback uh, and harassing Kurt cousins uh, throughout that game and putting together a a pretty solid offensive performance overall uh, with sort of, all their weapons sort of uh, shining in that game with the return of Julio Jones. And then this past week against Detroit, it was a bit of a letdown. It looked a lot like the Dan Quinn led teams. The offense sort of was stagnating. The defense gave up too many big plays. And and certainly with that lead late in the game, had another sort of late game meltdown where they really had an opportunity to win the game um, by kneeling on it with the, Lions out of timeouts in the final minutes of the game, but unfortunately, Ty Gurley got a little too overzealous and, and ran into the end zone, and that gave the Alliance one more opportunity to move down the field, and as we've seen with so many teams against this Falcons defense, if you need them to get a stop uh, in, in the closing minutes of either half, they are not going to do it, and uh, that proved to be the case, and so now we're kind of back at square one and sort of this upcoming game against Carolina, I think is going to be an indicator over whether or not this Raheem Morris led uh, Falcons team is more like the team it was against Minnesota or more like the team it was against Detroit and, and subsequently the team that they were the first five weeks under Dan Quinn for the remainder of the season, because the Falcons just don't have too many winnable games uh, coming up. This one does count as one of them. Again, I think Carolina is certainly the better team at this point in time, but the gap between Atlanta and Carolina, I don't think it's so significant that it's crazy to think that the Falcons can't find a way to win. And certainly we'll get into more of some of those causes and reasons and matchups that may favor the Falcons or, you know, disfavor the Falcons. But it's one of those things where they don't have too many of these games left on their season. So if they don't get a win this week, 
they're not counting on too many other games unless they can really catch some major breaks in the second half of the season. And and that's kind of what, you know, I was what I was going to lead into with this next question. It's like, how do they do that? You know, how do they rebound from that loss against Detroit, especially on the short week? It's one thing if we were playing this game on a Sunday and they had a little bit of time to, you know, recover and, and whatnot and get back into the swing of things, but they've got to jump right into this and they're on the road. So how in the world do they quickly get that loss behind them and get ready to play here on a Thursday night? Well, you would think by now with all these late game meltdowns, they'd be used to it. So they, they should be <laughs> mentally prepared to be able to to respond uh, again. So, you know, maybe third time's the charm after the third one, there's like, okay, we're done with this. Um, three strikes are out, as they say. But, <laughs> yep. you know, I, I think they have some favorable situations. You know, I know that Carolina's a little beat up uh, in their secondary. We saw the Falcons able to successfully run the ball against Carolina's defense uh, last time, as several other teams have had success this year. And, you know, they have Julio Jones coming back, and that was that makes a big difference. This offense just looks so much different with Julio Jones in the lineup. Uh, even though Calvin Ridley has been superb this year, unfortunately, when it's just him, it's just him, you know. And these last couple of games with Julio Jones back in the lineup, we've seen guys like Hayden Hurst and Russell Gage step up because they're really more third and fourth options in this passing game rather than needing to be the second um, option with Julio out of the lineup. So once you get Julio drawing all that attention, uh, it really sort of opens things up for everybody else to be able to to eat and cook. And I think that's the thing that they're going to have to rely on, but it's going to be tough because Julio's dealing with a hip injury. He's been bothered by a ham injury. Um, you know, it's a short week. He's, he's not going to be a hundred percent. No one's going to be a hundred percent on Thursday, but especially when your best player is, is dealing with the injuries that he's been dealing with. He needs a little bit more time to recover given, you know, he's on the wrong side of 30. The body takes time longer to heal at this point in time. So they're going to need his presence. Um, but I don't know if you're going to necessarily get, you know, peak Julio this, this upcoming uh, tonight. Um, I, I keep talking as if this game is on Sunday. It's so weird to have the short week, but um, yeah, I think if Julio can, um, you know, step it up tonight and make a couple of plays. I don't know if the Falcons need to rely on him, but if he can just make a couple of plays, pick and choose his spots, I think that can work in the Falcons favor this week. Yeah, it's weird a little bit talking about a, a Thursday game, but at least you have had experience so far, at least this year too, with primetime games. I can't even remember the last time um, or what it feels like to record for a primetime game because the Panthers haven't had many of those uh, in recent memory. Hopefully 21, they'll have uh, a couple more. But yeah, that you, you brought up a real good point on Julio Jones. Like you said, dealing with the hip injury, you know, it seems like you know, they got some big names banged up a little bit. I mean, no one's really been declared out or no one's really missed practice. But, you know, at least with uh, Monday and Tuesday, you're talking Russell Gage has been limited all week. Julio Jones has been limited all week. Alex Mack, Kayla McGarry. And then uh, Tack McKinley is the interesting name here, too, because he was limited Monday, didn't practice Tuesday. And now we're starting to see some trade rumors swirling around Tack McKinley. So I guess real quick, you know, talk about some of the injuries and how that might affect them. And then I'm curious your thoughts on those, uh, those Tack McKinley trade rumors, you know, cause you know, we were so excited for him when he came in to the league and he got drafted by the Falcons. We know the, you know, he dedicated to his grandmother, but you know, what's, what's kind of been the issue with him and you know, why are, why could now be a possibility that they're uh, looking to unload him? 
Well, I might be eating my words later tonight, but I'm not too worried about those other injuries. I think that's just an example of guys that were a little nicked up in the game. Russell Gage uh, exited the game early with a knee injury, but was able to come back and played really well down the stretch and really was instrumental for the Falcons driving down the field to get that uh, go-ahead touchdown at the end of the game. Um, So players like him and Alex Mack has basically been resting all since training camp. He basically gets one day of practice a week at this point in time in his career. Uh, so those, those injuries, I'm not really concerned. Tack was the one injury that was a concern. Obviously, I know the Panthers are dealing with some injuries on the offensive line. And my concern last week was that the Falcons, with the short week coming off of the heels of this Lions game, the Falcons wouldn't have an opportunity to really rest Tack. So I would have preferred to see the Falcons sit Tack against the Lions so that he would have a better chance of playing against this Panthers team. He's already been ruled out. Whether that's due to injuries or whether that's due to trade talk, who knows at this point in time. Um, there are sort of mixed rumors that the Falcons have been getting calls about Tack McKinley uh, and not necessarily indications that they're actively shopping him. But with, with Tack, he's been a productive player when he's been on the field. Hasn't gotten the monster sack numbers. He's more of that pressure guy, more in that sort of uh, Jadavian Clowney, Branding Graham mold. Obviously, those guys are more household names. But I think Tack really was showing this season, particularly in week one, he dominated that Seattle game. He's had some dominant performances in the past. And unfortunately, he's been a little too nicked up um, since then to really showcase that ability. But even last week against Detroit, he, he flashed on a number of plays and and showcase that speed he's playing some of the best football when he's been healthy and so I think with Tack McKinley the big thing has been those injury issues he's dealt with multiple shoulder surgeries since his days at UCLA I think he had three since um, he left UCLA uh, one his rookie year and two season ending injuries uh, in his second and third year I believe and then this year he's been dealing with a groin injury and that's been the main thing with Tack McKinley. When he's been on the field, he's been a productive pressure guy, uh, been an impact uh, force for this team, a high motor player, plays with a lot of energy, uh, certainly a fun player, one of my favorite Falcon players to watch over these last couple of years, but hasn't been able to stay healthy. That led to the Falcons not exercising his fifth-year option. So he's going to be a free agent after this season. And so the speculation has been that, since his injury prone issue with the new coaching staff, a new front office taking over, they're unlikely to sign him. Um, and he's probably also looking for greener pastures elsewhere, uh, given the Falcons lack of commitment to him in the same way that they were committed a year ago to someone like a Vic Beasley, who arguably was less productive, at least not in the sack realm, but in terms of the consistency realm than Tack McKinley was. So he may be looking at that tack that is to, to move on from this organization that has been less committed to him. And so the trade rumors seem to center around the notion that let's try to get something for him now, because honestly, you know, people will say, Oh, well, you can get a compensatory pick for him. um, But you're probably looking at maybe a fifth or sixth round pick at best. And truth be told, I think because the Falcons are going to have so much turnover on their defensive side of their ball this off season, um, they're not really going to be in a position to get compensatory picks um, because they're going to lose a lot of players, but I think they're also going to have to add a bunch of players in free agency in order to replace many of those guys. So it might wind up canceling itself out. So if you can get something for Tack McKinley, it's potentially better than nothing. And at least you'd be getting a pick in 21 versus waiting until 22. So absolutely good points there. Uh, So yeah, good stuff on the Falcons. Um, You know, always great to hear from you on that stuff. And I think we're going to flip it around here and uh, see what we got in store here for the Panthers. 
If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Before we jump back into the rest of Crossover Thursday, reminder, of course, of today's episode being powered by our friends at Pepsi, who, of course, want to remind you that this football season will be different, but Pepsi is here to power through, power you through game day, no matter how you watch this season. Pepsi, of course, is the refreshment you need to get through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. These are the passionate fans, and they are the real generational talent that Pepsi fuels. Because Pepsi isn't just made for those who play the game, it's made for those who watch it. Pepsi is made for football watching, and remember to go to madeforfootballwatching.com to check out the latest football watching content from our friends at Pepsi. All right, guys, we're here still for Crossover Thursday, getting you geared up for tonight's action between the Falcons and Panthers, and sort of Bill giving us the inside scoop on what's going on with the Carolina Panthers. And I guess for me, the big question for all of us, all of us, people that love reality football and those of us that love fantasy football, (laughs) you know, what's going on with Christian McCaffrey? Yeah. Christian McCaffrey looks like he's getting close to returning. Uh, The Panthers haven't activated him just yet off injured reserve, but they did designate him to return from IR uh, earlier this week. He's been practicing a little bit, uh, but again, nothing official because he hasn't been activated. So, and I didn't really expect him to play tonight either. And I said on the podcast, I'd rather them rest him up, a little bit more, at least for one more game, especially this being a short week. But it would not surprise me at all, you know, coming into sort of a mini-buy now with the Thursday game. Let him rest a bit this weekend. I could see him being activated for Week 9 in a game that they would really need him for because they're playing the defending champs in Week 9 at Arrowhead. So they would certainly want all hands on deck or at least whatever they can get. So no Christian McCaffrey tonight, but it would not surprise me if, and I know – a lot of fantasy owners are, are dying to see him back because I'm sure a lot of you guys spent uh, your top pick on, you know, number one overall pick on him. And, and for good reason, obviously. I mean, I would have done the exact same thing. Um, but week nine, I could certainly see him making a return. So definitely excited uh, to see him back in action and see him, you know, again, you know, he's obviously been limited. He had the red jersey. But still, just the fact that he's back on the field is, or at least on the practice field, is, is a great sign for uh for him returning very soon now you know on that note the panthers had a lot of success running the ball on the falcons last time they faced them they're dealing with some injuries on their offensive line do you feel like this panthers running game um with those injuries up front can rely on their ground attack to sort of sort of spearhead and complement this passing attack that was also equally potent last time they faced the falcons yeah, obviously it's going to be a little bit different on the offensive line than the first time they met. You know, like you said, they're still dealing with some injuries. John Miller uh, is questionable for this game. Russell Okung is doubtful for this game. 
uh, with that calf injury. Okun didn't practice at all. You know, so he's been banged up. He left Sunday's game with that injury. So you're looking at Greg Little getting the start at left tackle. Uh, John Miller, if he can't go, you're probably going to see Dennis Daly like you did last week. But they also mixed in Trent Scott a little bit. So at least they got a little bit of depth. But they're, uh, they're still very thin, especially on the interior, because you still got uh, Michael Schofield and Tyler Larson on the COVID list. So uh, the run game might not be as effective. And we've seen, you know, they, and we saw he, they really struggled against the run on Sunday against the Saints. I mean, they only ran for what, like 37 yards as a team. Mike Davis only had uh, about 12 yards, something like that against the Saints. Now, obviously this is a, you know, the, the talent gap obviously is quite large in terms of the Saints defense versus the, uh, the Falcons defense, but, uh, you know, shout out to Ross Jackson, who tells me Marcus Williams sucks. But that's uh, besides the point. But still, you know, the, this could be a game that I think they rely more on the pass a little bit, too. And um, Teddy Bridgewater had one of his better games of the season against Atlanta in week five. So I think you could be looking at a, a, a similar situation here. You know, let Teddy Bridgewater throw the ball. And, you know, you don't have a bunch of your studs on the offensive line. So I'm going to be really interested, especially on a short week, uh, what the Panthers have in store here uh, for the second meeting. So can they get the running back going again? That's going to be quite interesting to find out tonight, I think. Dennis Daly, uh, you know, I know Grady Jarrett's maybe licking his chops if he gets a chance to face off against him like last year. It was not a rough performance for Dennis Daly in a couple of those games last season. So we'll see how that mm-hmm. fares. But we know that this Panthers offense, this passing game had no problems picking apart the Falcons secondary the last <laughs> time. Uh, so I, I'm not too concerned about whether or not they're going to be able to compensate for maybe some struggles for the running game. But I do want to switch sides of the ball and, and focus again on the trenches. Um, we know this Falcon team had a lot of success, the most success they've had all season long running the football against this Panther team. I believe that the 166 rushing yards that the Falcons gained against Carolina in that week five game was the most that the Panthers have given up. And that was a game that they had Kawan Shore and Yatira Gross Matos. They don't have both of those guys now since they're now on injured reserve. I'm, I'm curious, have things gotten worse for the Panthers in terms of their front seven uh, with their ability to stop the run? Yeah, it's it's a lot of, you know, obviously younger guys and, you know, even Zach Kerr, who stepped in for shorts since then, uh, he's been banged up. You know, he he did not he didn't practice Tuesday or Wednesday with a toe injury. He's questionable. So he might be very limited today. Uh, so you, you could be looking at Bravion Roy getting some a uh, little bit more snaps. And um, you mentioned Gross Matos is out. You know, so Brian Burns has been a stud, but, you know, can Marquise Haynes continue to step up opposite of him? Can Steven Weatherly continue to step up? So, yeah, there's still some issues with the front seven here. Injuries have taken its toll. Uh, They're going to be reeling a bit after Alvin Kamara and Latavius Murray both had plenty of success on Sunday. And like you mentioned, the Falcons, that was one thing they did well in the first meeting was they gashed the Panthers. Gurley had, uh, what, about 120 yards in that first meeting, if I remember correctly. and you know, Gurley, other than that, hasn't been producing big rushing totals, but he's still finding the end zone. You know, I think because I just did the blurbs for Todd Gurley, interestingly enough, over at 4 for 4, I think it's something like five out of seven games so far this season. Gurley scored at least a touchdown, and, you know, he's coming off two straight games of at least 20 carries and about 23 touches. So they're going to feed him the ball. You know, I 
you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, right? They that worked in week five, and I think they're gonna, he's going to gash the Panthers again this week. And so that's one of the reasons why I think, you know, the Falcons could be able to hang around a little bit in this one because they should be able to kill some clock with Todd Gurley. And, you know, I'm interested in, to see, too, if they sprinkle in Brian Hill a little bit more. I know he's kind of floating around in there, but he still gets just enough touches to kind of be somewhat relevant uh, in this Falcons offense. So I'm excited to see what they do with him and Edo Smith. But yeah, to, you know, the uh, Todd Gurley against, like you mentioned, uh, in, an even more banged up, not just front seven, but really an entire defense, uh, but certainly in the front seven, it's a, a lot different. And I would say a little bit weaker than what we saw three weeks ago. So that should be a fun matchup, I think, for this one. Yeah, you talk about the other issues that they're dealing with in defense. I want to talk about that secondary. It was a little bit of a hectic week for them. They cut Eli Apple, mm-hmm. Rasul Douglas, who's been their top corner, who we, we gloat about on the last episode in terms of <laughs> what he's been grown into in this Panthers uh, secondary and been a big reason why their secondary has far outperformed expectations going into the season. But he's out with COVID-19. I'm We saw Calvin Ridley put up some – good production against them, eight catches for 136 yards. Now you potentially sprinkle Julio Jones into the mix. How do you feel in terms of your confidence that this secondary with some of the pieces depleted are going to be able to handle that matchup in addition to, you know, the issues that they're dealing with up front with their run game and the Falcons and Todd Gurley? Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's a tough, it's a tough draw for sure. You know, they obviously lucked out in the first meeting that Julio didn't play, now he he's back, and like you mentioned, it's a, a completely different secondary. You know, Justin Burris is still an injured reserve. So Sam Franklin, uh, the young undrafted free agent, he's been he actually played every snap last week against the Saints, had two tackles, so he looked okay, but certainly not at the level of Justin Burris. And you're probably going to continue to see a bit of a rotation at the other corner spot, along with Dante Jackson. You saw Troy Pride get a number of snaps. Um, you know, Eli Apple still got playing time, but um, obviously that hamstring kind of flared up a bit on him. And, you know, we don't know if it was because he said to the coaches, hey, I can't go on my hamstring. You know, was that part of it or what, what eventually led to Eli Apple getting cut uh, this week? But, you know, so I expect Troy Pride to get some playing, some more playing time as he did last week. Cornelder's going to get sprinkled in there. So it's going to be tough. I mean, this is a lot of youth a lot of kind of inexperience in the secondary and against these strong wide receivers against you know what could always be a potent Falcons passing attack when they want to be this is going to be one of their biggest tests I think and so guys like Dante Jackson obviously have to step up and be a leader Trey Boston has to continue playing well so you know if the, if the Falcons can't get past rush which they've been doing a nice job of so far this season uh, but if they can't get pressure on Matt Ryan, it's going to be a uh, a tough a tough sell. You know they, um, you know I, I'm not going to say totally worried, but you know the uh, the threat obviously is uh, is always going to be there. So I'm really interested to see how they move guys like Boston and Jeremy Chin and these guys around and just kind of what they do to you know kind of neutralize or kind of limit the damage. We'll say. Uh, for what these receivers can do to these defensive backs tonight. Now, the last game was a little bit of a low-scoring affair, uh, 23-16. to 16. And, uh, Bill, I want to get you out of here. 
sort of on maybe a possible score prediction for tonight. I feel like myself, and it sounds like you do too, feel like this is an opportunity for both offenses to be able to put up a lot more points just because I think both teams are going to be a lot more willing to to try to air things out um, and potentially, hopefully, for depending on which team you're rooting for, potentially take out the other team's running game out of the yeah. equation as they struggled dealing with last time. Yeah, absolutely. I think I definitely think there's going to be more points in this one, especially. And we, we tend to see that on Thursday games, too. You know, we always think sometimes Thursday games aren't going to be as rough. And then we get some, you know, barn burners like, you know, Rams 49ers that one year comes to mind. Um, but I'm thinking somewhere in the neighborhood of like 31, 21 uh, in favor of the Panthers. And, you know, who knows? That might be a little generous in terms of the margin of victory for the Panthers, but um, I definitely, you know, I could even see like a, a 31 27 or 31 28 type score. I mean, I, I definitely think points are going to be scored. Um, I think it's just going to be a matter of, you know, like, like I said with the Panthers, can they get pressure on Matt Ryan? And obviously the flip side of the Falcons can, can get to Teddy Bridgewater and, and disrupt that passing game. Um, yeah. This, this is definitely a possibility. This, this is, a get right game, I think, for both teams, really. You know, the Panthers coming off that two game losing streak and the Falcons off that loss against the Lions. So, really, this is the perfect opportunity, I think, for both teams to kind of sort of get themselves back on track. So, this is going to be a really fun one, but I do think the Panthers come away with the victory in this one and at least get to four and four uh, at the halfway point, which is certainly better than a lot of people expected at the midway point for this team. Yeah, I think this is a golden opportunity for the Falcons to potentially get their second win of the season. But uh, since week three, I picked the Falcons uh, to win the first three games. They did not win. And I basically made a promise after that Bears loss in week three that if they did not win that game, I would not pick them for the rest of the season. And I'm going to continue be a man of my word. And I think this is going to be a, a higher scoring affair, but I'll take the Panthers sort of winning maybe with a, a Joey Sly field goal. Uh, given their propensity to, uh, you know, trot him out for these super long kicks, maybe him, <laughs> you know, winning the, the game on a, a, a 58 yarder, uh, 30 to 27. Yeah, I mean, how how amazing was that 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 uh, that would have been good from like 64? Yeah, and he's kicking crazy. from 65, but uh, I, I could definitely see that being the case. That should be interesting, you know. And who knows? Maybe that'll come with like 15 seconds left, like in Seattle, Arizona. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, Bill, uh, appreciate talking with you. Looking forward to tonight's action and let the people know uh, where they can find your stuff and, and what you got upcoming on Lockdown Panthers. Absolutely. Yeah. You can find me uh, SI Panthers, um, a couple other sites too. I'm actually set to work on a mock draft for with the first pick over at fan sided. So I'll be dropping uh, really be one of my first, actually I think it will be my first first round mock for 2021. So I'm excited about that so dropping stuff there i still do some work over at the four for four covering teams like the falcons the saints steelers seahawks uh covering them and then of course obviously the podcast as well uh friday obviously we'll do a recap of thursday's game and we'll you know probably swing around the league you know i I like to let some of the listeners know too where uh you know look at the broadcast map what kind of announcers because I know people love to hear like oh we get Joe Buck today or we get Kevin Burkhart or whatever because they should be back now that the World Series is over so it'll be interesting to look at that but yeah definitely a, a big recap day coming on Friday and then start getting ready for Kansas City. 
Yeah, folks, if you want to check out my stuff, of course, you can find me on Twitter at FalcFans, F-A-L-C-F-A-N-S. Certainly, we'll be keeping our ears to the ground about sort of any trade rumors because Tack McKinley may not be the only person that the Falcons may be shopping. So that's something that we're going to keep an eye on over the weekend. And, of course, you can check us out every day at Locked On Falcons. Uh, and we'll see what the Falcons can do if they can get their season back on track with another win. Um, or are they going to still be reeling uh, heading into that week nine matchup? So, uh, Bill, appreciate you joining me on today's episode. And uh, unfortunately, this is the last time we'll probably get the chance to talk on one of these podcasts until the offseason, but I'm definitely looking forward to that offseason crossover that we get to do uh, some probably sometime in February so we can catch up on sort of all the things that will happen over the next eight or nine weeks of, of this football season. <laughs> Yeah, it's crazy to think we're already done here with, with this series and it's only week eight. But yeah, I always enjoy talking to you and we'll definitely be uh we'll definitely be chatting over the off season. Always looking forward to it, man. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.